If you guys want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Psalm 22, that'll be the first uh, scripture we look at. Psalm 22. I'm sure you guys have noticed uh, like how many movies have come out about superheroes. Um, for those of us who have been around longer, you know, Superman came out, and then like maybe five or six years later, or four years, there was Superman too. I mean, that was kind of your superhero movies, you know, once every three or four years. And now it seems like there's one every weekend. And I don't know who these superheroes are. I mean, they're just coming up with names and people. I know they're they're in comic books somewhere, but I've never heard of them. Right? When I when I was growing up, it was Superman and Batman. And that was it. I mean, if you got off of that, you were kind of a fanatic. You know, you knew way more than anybody else. Um, but there's an appeal. I think there's a reason um, these superheroes are out there. Um, people want to be invincible. Um, people want to be uh, protected. They want to be strong. They want to be able to overcome. Uh, I can remember as a kid... Like, Superman was just awesome. I mean, to be able to stand and take bullets, like, fired straight at you, and just kind of brush them off. Like, no impact, no effect whatsoever. That just blew my mind. I thought, man, that would be great. You know, he could fly through buildings, he could do whatever he wanted to do, and it never hurt him, right? Um, and because there was an appeal to me, even as a child, I think there's a real impact there, because I think it's sort of ingrained in us as part of God's creation and being created in His image, to have that, that desire for protection, right, and avoiding harm, right, and wanting to be safe and wanting to be strong. Um, in, in Psalm 22, we recognize this as being a messianic psalm, but I want to, to look at it from David's perspective. I, I mean, he wrote it. I want to look at it from the author's perspective as he's writing it and the emotions that, he, that he's going through and the things he's feeling. Um, verse 1 sort of lays the groundwork for that, right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's this sense of I was protected. You were protecting me, and now you're not. You've, you've left. I was okay. Now I'm not. Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Verse 2, O oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. He's asking for help. He's asking for protection. Um, and if you go down to verse 7, All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip. They wag the head, saying, Commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him because he delights in him. Even the people around this person, right, knows, oh, he, he trusts in God, but now look at him, right? His God is not protecting him anymore. So it's not just he feels it like, you've forsaken me, which I'm not going to say that he actually has forsaken him, but I want, I want to talk about the emotions, right, what he's feeling. He feels that his protection is gone. And the people around him look at him and say, your protection is gone. We see it. Verse 13, verse 12, sorry. 
Many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of Bashan that have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. Verse 16, dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. He's in a lot of distress, and he's telling God this because he wants protection from these things. He wants to be protected. I tend to think, and I'm, I wouldn't be straight up dogmatic on this, but I think David was primarily thinking physical protection here. He's, he's was often, especially early in his um, kingship, if you would call it that, after he was anointed, but not really the king. He was running for his life. People were literally encircling him and had him, uh, unless he had escaped by night or escaped some way that they didn't see him, he would have been captured. Uh, I'm not going to say he wasn't thinking about a spiritual protection um, because he doesn't reveal that and much of this can be taken spiritually. But I think we see within ourselves when we look out at these movies that are so popular and everybody's lining up for, that physical protection is a big thing. It's something that we focus on. It's something that we want. It's something that we ask for. And look at our prayers. Um, we pray a lot for physical protection when we're traveling. Um, in case we get sick, we might get sick. We're around someone who's sick. Please protect those who are around them, right? There's nothing wrong with those things, but I think it reveals something about us that we want to be protected. Now, I'm, I want to take a few minutes to talk about God's protection this morning. And I'm really not going to focus on the physical side of the protection, though. I wanted to start with that because I think it shows us who we are and that we have this desire and we have this, not just desire, but we have this need, right, for protection, even in the clothing in our shelter, right, our homes. It's a need as well as a desire. But I want to talk more about spiritual protection. Um, and I don't want to say that we shouldn't pray for physical protection. I wanted to get that out there. I've heard sometimes people say, well, if, if you're not going to ask for spiritual protection, your prayer shouldn't even include physical protection. I think that's, that's just silly. Okay, um, We're to go to God in prayer for all things. We're told that. All things. So we can pray for physical protection. That's just not what I'm going to focus on. Um, I think our attitude should be in Psalm 22 verse 3 with re regard to the physical protection. Um, when you look at what he says in verse 3, yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. And the reason I say that, specifically about the physical protection, is because even if you never get sick from birth to death you're going to die even if you never stub your toe or break a bone or are in an accident from birth to death there's still death and if all of your faith is wrapped up in like God protecting you physically always well you're going to stumble 
because even if you never experience it, your loved ones are going to experience that, those things. So yes, it's okay to pray for physical protection, but we have to understand verse 3, right? Even if he doesn't choose to protect me from this, he's holy, and he's enthroned in heaven, not me, and he knows what's best, right? So we have to be careful with the physical protection. Um, sometimes people think that because I prayed this, I can walk around as though I'm physically invincible now, right? Um, I don't think you have anything in the scripture that ever suggests that. And I think most of us here understand that. But there is a, there is a little bit of warning I wanted to add with, with that. So moving to the thought, the, the idea of this protection, the, first, the, first, the next passage I want to look at is Colossians chapter 3. This was actually referenced in the song that we just sang. Um, Colossians 3, the first four verses... Paul writes, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. first point I want to make about spiritual protection is that our life is safe. can't say that about your physical life all the time right even james says right you who say you're going to go to another city and do business for a year and make a profit right what do you know about what's going to happen tomorrow you don't know you don't even you don't have control of it right but instead you should say if the lord wills we will do this or that but here he doesn't say that about our spiritual life he doesn't say, you know, you really don't know what's going to happen to you spiritually. He says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. And this, is, this passage as a whole isn't a typical like, protection passage, like, oh, you're, you're safe and you've got this shield of armor and all that, right? But when I read this, kind of the image I get is like, okay, there's this safe in God's house where like, my life is kind of protected and it's hidden. And then I think, okay, who's going to break into that house? And then break into, and then break into the safe, right? I mean, again, that's really simplistic, kind of childish, and, you know. But when I read, your life is hidden with Christ in God, and then when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. The image I can't get out of my head is there's no way anybody can get in there. And like, take the life that God has hidden, that He's keeping under guard. It's safe. The accidents and the sicknesses and the illnesses and things that happen physically, there's not a corollary when this applies, right? If I've been raised with Christ, there is no corollary for that. It's safe. It's hidden with Christ. There's a similar passage in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse, verses 27 through 30. This is um, in the midst of the famous shepherd uh, passage where Jesus is describing himself. He says, My sheep 
hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now here Jesus offends the Jews, right, by equating himself with the Father, right? We understand that when he says, no one can snatch them out of my hand, no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand, I and the Father are one. But the message, right, the message that we hear when we read those words is that he and the Father, who are one, right, God, are capable of holding us against any power. I used to, sometimes in, I would watch like movies of like ninjas or whatever, people who are, their reflexes are super fast and this guy would be holding a coin in his hand and he's like, if you can take this coin before I pull my hand back, you will pass the test or whatever, right? And so you see the one guy kind of flinch. You don't even see him move, he just kind of flinches. And the other guy pulls his arm back and he says, ah, oh, you failed. He says, no, look at the coin in your hand and it's a different coin. I mean, it's kind of, it was kind of a big joke, right? You didn't even see him move, but he swapped the coin and actually put a different coin there, right? So you think, oh, he's, he's so fast. His reflexes are so great. He's the master, right? He's passed. Well, Jesus is saying there's no one fast enough. Like, like, get God looking over here, and then he won't notice when I go grab Richard. No, you can, that can't happen. Or, like, he's got this grip on Richard, but I'm stronger, and I can, I can loosen the fingers. That can't happen. Right? Another picture I get in my head is, like, when I was a kid, my uncle or, you know, great-uncle or somebody, and I'm thinking, like, six, seven years old, right? He would say, you know, if you can get this out of my hand, you can have it. You know, it's a quarter or a dime or something. And there was just no way. I mean, there was no way. I would work on it, and I would try to get it open, and I would, I mean, I still remember in my head what it felt like. It felt like rock. Like, the image that came to my mind is, this is like stone. I mean, I couldn't even get his fingers to flex, right? The, the strength comparison between a grown man, right, 40, 50, 60 years old, and a five-year-old child trying to open his hand, it's like that's a small comparison when you think about God's strength and not just people, but any other power. There's no, there's no comparison. When, when God says, here's, here's Richard in my hand, it's, it's a done deal. <laughs> the, matter, the matter is settled, right? Um... That's, that's the kind of safety that I think we have when, as we look at Colossians 3, we've been raised with Christ, right? That's real protection. That's the invincibility that we desire, but we just project it the wrong way. You know, we want to wear a suit or we, wanna, we want our bodies to be invincible when we don't realize God's promised invincibility, right, spiritually. So then what's the danger? 
I mean, there's, there can't be any danger, right? There's no danger. Well, the danger's us. Um, we can't be snatched. We can't be taken. Um, but we can walk off. Um, he doesn't say, you know, if you're in my hand, then you can't leave. He says you can't be snatched, which to me is very, still very comforting. Right? But he doesn't hold us against our will. He doesn't say, once you're in my hand, there's nothing you can do. Your fate is sealed. He doesn't say that. He says, you can't be the victim of some other power. That's really what he's saying. So the second point I want to make is that we, ha- we actually have armor as well. Turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 6, please. Ephesians chapter 6. This is a more common, what I think of as a protection passage, you know, um, but it's interesting what we're protected against here. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Did you notice in verse 11 what the armor really helps us do? It helps us stand firm against the schemes of the devil. That's really the only danger. He doesn't say take up the full armor of God so that you can stand firm in the face of Satan. Like you're going to fight him one-on-one, it's you and Satan, and you need this armor because he's really big. It's not what he says. He says you don't, you're not even going to face the devil, you're going to face the schemes of the devil. So that's why I say earlier the danger is us because the devil's out here and he's scheming. And he's coming up with tricks and he's coming up with temptations and he's coming up with problems and distractions and here I am in God's hand and the danger is that I I get distracted or my faith gets shaky and I say well maybe this over here is actually right or it just is appealing I've been good long enough right what's a little bit of bad they're they're schemes the devil can lie to us which is why we have to gird ourselves with truth you see all the the items that are in there I'm not so focused on like how they're in the front or the back I mean there's there's good points to be made about that 
defensive versus offensive. There's good points to be made about that. But look at the items that were to add, right? Truth. What does truth protect you against? It protects you against lies. Satan is the father of lies. He's a liar. Nothing is going to proceed from him into your mind that's true. Even if it sounds true, it's been twisted. Right? Like when he took the psalm and told Jesus, well, he says he'll protect you so that you don't strike your foot against the stone. You see, he twisted it into something that it was to be a test of God rather than a blessing from God. So he can lie, but we have to be girded with truth. He can show us all kinds of unrighteousness, right? And what's our defense against that? We wear righteousness. If we don't wear righteousness, well, like I said, we're the danger at that point. He can feed us all kinds of bad news about conflict and war and strife and get us down. So what do we wear? We wear the gospel of peace, right? Good news about peace that matters. Right? Jesus even said he didn't come to bring peace here on earth. On earth he came to bring a sword. Which indicates this isn't the peace that matters. Peace that matters is between you and your creator. So when you have that peace, right, all of this conflict that Satan's over here throwing around, you say, yeah, that's part of this world. And you have peace with your Father. He can pepper us with thoughts and ideas that we don't understand, right? These flaming arrows coming at us. Well, I don't understand that, and I don't understand that. How does this work? Well, that's why we defend ourselves with faith. What do you know? Was Jesus raised from the dead? Do you know that? Well, then use that to extinguish these arrows that you just don't understand or that don't make sense yet, right? He's going to throw everything at you that he can thinking that you won't pick up that shield of faith. That you'll say, well, this scientist makes a whole lot of sense over here. And I've got this over here that God says, and they don't seem to be compatible to me whatsoever. And I really respect the method that this scientist used. Right? Well, that's when you pick up your shield of faith and you say, do you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead or not? If you do, then you say, well, maybe I just lack understanding, right? You don't just dismiss things that people find in, in the world. I'm fascinated every day by what scientists are turning up within us, within the realm of nature, right, space. You don't just dismiss those and say, well, those scientists are just, you know, I can't look at anything. No. They're, in, they're investigating the creation. Those are good things. But you don't allow those things to come in and say, well, Jesus couldn't have been raised from the dead. Or that's as important as Jesus being raised from the dead. It's not. Right? It's not. Finally, he can surround us with sin and its destruction. And he does. Right? So we wear salvation. You stay conscious of the fact 
right? That he is given salvation from those things. And we don't go over to those things. Those things don't become temptations. We don't walk off the hand of the Father and say, well, everyone else is in sin. I may as well just give it up. Or everyone else is walking toward destruction. We, we studied the path, right? My good friends are going down a broad path. Or at least it looks like they're going down a broad path. They're certainly not going down a narrow path that I'm walking down. Well, if they're doing it, I can't walk a separate path. Satan is going to surround you with people in your life who are going down a broad path. Because he knows he can't snatch you. But he's allowed to shoot those arrows. Those fiery darts. He's allowed to distract you. And you can walk down that broad path. Jesus is very plain. Everybody's walking. He didn't say, and there are some standing still. It's like there's a broad path, narrow path. People are going. Right? We have a choice. But what I wanted to bring about, out about this, about protection, is that everything we need, God has already provided it. So not only is like our actual life hidden right, with Christ and God in heaven, right? and then it's going to be revealed when he's revealed. Not only that, not only are we in his hand and no one can take us out of his hand because they can't overcome his, his strength. I would venture to say they can't even really approach. Right? I mean, when you look at Job, Josh mentioned this morning, how much time are you going to spend in Job? Like, no, I'm not going there. Right? But when you look at Job, you see God says, yeah, you can go this far. And that's as far as he can go. Satan can't go any further. And then God says, all right, yeah, you can go this far, but you can go this far. That's power. That's power. And that's where we are spiritually. We're in his hand. But then he anticipates us facing these schemes. And he says, here's all the armor for those schemes. I'm not going to let you face Satan on your own, but you are going to face his schemes. You're going to see those schemes. And here's the armor for those things. So not only can God not be overcome, he's equipped us to face those schemes. But you know, the devil's had a lot of practice. And he's had a lot of people to practice on. I mean, just right now, he's got 7 billion people to practice on. So you get good at your trade when you practice, right? So maybe he's going to throw something at me that I can't overcome. I can't see it coming. I'm not prepared. What if he throws something at me that worked, you know, on somebody halfway around the world and it works on me too? And I can't, be, I can't defend myself. That's why I want to look at 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10 beginning in verse 11. Paul is writing to uh, the Christians in Corinth, telling them about the children of Israel and the things they had gone through and um, how they had been baptized into Moses by walking through the sea and under the cloud. And So they were you know, saved right, from Egypt. And he says, but they fell in the wilderness. Now in, in verse 11, 
He says, now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape, so that you will be able to endure it. More protection. So we can't be taken by force. We're equipped to handle the devil's schemes. And this even suggests we won't even be allowed to face schemes that God says, hey, Richard can't handle that. Or whatever scheme I face, take it another way, whatever scheme I face, with the temptation, God will provide the way of escape also. So even if God says, you know what, Satan, you've got free reign on the whole earth to tempt everybody with every temptation you can come up with. Even if he does that, this verse says, in every instance, God gives a way of escape. More protection. So, when you consider all of these things together, um, I'll put it this way. We are spiritually invincible if we want to be. And I, I don't mean just like in, a, in my head, oh, that's a really nice idea, I kind of want to be. I mean like if you really want to be, sort of like you want to breathe, so you breathe, right? That's a real want, right? You want to eat, so you eat. If you want to be spiritually invincible, you can be. If we clothe ourselves with truth, no falsehood can overcome it. If we defend ourselves with faith, no trial or temptation can wound us. And when we face temptation, God's already prepared the way out. It's done. I want to look back at Romans chapter 8 now. The passage that, we, that Blake wrote for us. Romans 8, I, I know I'd, I, I uh, can never probably do this, but I, won't, I want you to read the whole chapter. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Uh, I was very tempted. And then I look, no, that's really long. Read all of, especially the first verse, right? It starts off on this positive note. There, not for there, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, if you read that whole chapter through, like multiple times, I think you'll get better the message that I'm trying to deliver. Maybe that's just what I should have done. It's just read Romans 8 a couple of times. We'll just look at, at these verses, beginning in verse 28. Now, I'm going to read it a little slowly, because I want you to think about the ideas that are being presented about the protection we have and who's protecting us and why we're protected, Okay. 
Verse 28 of Romans 8. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer, through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What I see in that passage is the motivation behind the protection. He loves us. I mean, he has done everything out of that love for us. If you are in any doubt, or maybe you're just certain about it, but if you're in any doubt about whether or not you have this protection, you enjoy this protection, that God's promises of this protection are yours. These are the people to talk to about that doubt. I mean, we're here gathered worshiping God in the name of Jesus as he's instructed us because we want to please him and because we want to help each other. So if you feel like you're unsure about this protection maybe you had this protection and maybe you're the one that we talked about earlier right where I'm in his hand and I'm I just see something that I like better and I'm I'm gonna walk away and we don't ever really think about it that way we think about it as having one foot here and one foot here well, that's the way I think about it I never think I'm off the hand completely I'm just dabbling over here. I'm really still on the hand. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie. Satan is thrown your way. 
If you have any doubts about that, please talk to someone here. Um, Josh is going to sing a song in just a moment. It's designed to give us time to think about the message, to think about God's word. The invitation, as we call it, is not coming from me, and it's not coming from this church. It's coming from Jesus. Jesus says, I died. I want to give you that protection. So if that invitation applies to you, then please let someone know as we stand and sing.